0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. Tonight, episode 68. And we're going to be chatting a little bit about... uh, We're going to be chatting a little bit about... (laughs) Yeah, I'm all all tongue-tied. First line into the whole show, I'm screwed already. So that's just setting it up. (laughs) But anyway, dealing with weather when you find yourself unexpectedly and unprepared... um, Or unpreparedly caught in it. So perhaps you were out... You got held over for a day you weren't uh, counting on, Um, It's kind of sticking with the theme we had for the last few weeks, maybe you got lost. Uh, There's a couple different reasons why you could end up being out under one assumption and it kind of going completely south on you. And I mean, it even happens sometimes when you plan it out, because the weather changes. As you know, Ben, or we have joked about this before, meteorologists can predict the weather like, what, five minutes into the future? At best in Nova Scotia? (laughs) So... (laughs) And i mean that that's a little bit of an exaggeration but it's really not that much of an exaggeration if you go out for a three-day camp trip for whatever reason you leave on a friday night you're going to come back on a sunday night and the weather has changed from when you made your plans which would probably be like thursday night because you went to work on friday morning whatever came home and you left and now you're stuck into this maybe you didn't glance at the weather again and it's all changed safe to say this has happened before to you i assume
1: I I generally don't trust the weather forecast much past 24 hours, and anything inside of 24 hours I take with a grain of salt. But um, even though they can t- generally get trends, I find that they're really off. Uh, they they could say it'll rain on Saturday today. Uh, I know that that could be Friday or Monday. You know, like it could even be Sunday. But it's going to be one of these days. It may not be Saturday. It it often moves around it a, a bit. It's, and weather is hard to predict, and it's it's a constant factor that we have to deal with when we're in the woods. Uh, and we have some interesting, I, I noticed a, a weather warning right now, in effect, um, not the worst one we've ever gotten, but high temperatures, expected for the next two to three days.
0: Which, just coming off, two frost warnings. I don't know about your yeah. area, but we had frost warnings the last, well, not this morning, but the last, previous two mornings, we had frost warnings.
1: Uh, I don't think we did here, but yeah. So that's that's a good point. Like, we're we're going to literally be traveling within a, in a few days from temperatures that were you know basically zero or sub zero to temperatures that are plus thirty uh, within twenty four forty eight hours. And I've often seen that kind of swing in the past. You see it in the winter a lot. You see days that are like plus ten to minus twenty. So your thirty degree swing in, in in a matter of a couple of days. And that can make a huge difference in how you how you can survive and live in the woods. Uh, plus thirty degrees in the woods uh, is a whole different ball game than minus well to say zero. And it's a vastly different in uh, minus thirty. Like uh, at plus 30, your biggest risk is sunstroke, uh, hyperthermia, is it
0: hyperthermia, hypothermia? Uh, sorry, which one did you say hyperthermia? I think it's hyperthermia. You get too hot. It's real easy yeah. to do. Yeah.
1: So, um, and dehydration is the other one. Um, and we, we talk about it all the time so they say you can go two two days without water, two weeks without food.
0: Um, Yeah, and depending on your physical stats like me, I could probably go more than two weeks without food. Still not going to go any more than two days without water.
1: No. Um, And in fact, that two days without water is two days without dying, essentially. Now, the food one is a bit different. Even, even, well, I know there was times I could have went weeks without food. I would have been, you know not healthy but I probably would not have died Uh, even now I I have enough extra weight that I can go away but uh, without water after a period of time you are going to uh, experience some pretty severe issues so uh, it is important to stay hydrated and especially when you can because you don't really know when you may not be able to be hydrated. So if you're going for a walk in the woods and you've taken a certain amount of water, but then you, you lose your supply of water, you lose your, your Sire Mini, you lose your bottles of water, your uh, purification tablets, if that's the method you've decided to use, you've lost that, you don't have a pot to boil water in, all of a sudden the water you have available here in atlantic canada you're rarely far from water but that doesn't mean the water you have is is overly safe journey. i was gonna
0: say have you ever seen somebody with beaver fever because it is not nice okay. man
1: i have definitely seen that uh, i worked in the woods with a couple of uh, i worked for a woods cutting company we, we trimmed the trees away from power lines and there was two groups there was what i was was a laborer I, we cleared the brush and then we had the cutters, the guys with the chainsaws and the brush saws. And those guys had to carry their own fuel and stuff. They got paid a lot better than us. But uh, a bunch and we knew we were going in for a day. A bunch of them decided we're going to leave our water behind. We'll come back in four or five hours and we'll, we'll fill back up. And as it turned out, we didn't get back in four or five hours and ended up very, very thirsty. Uh, I always carried a ridiculous amount of water with me, and uh, it was a really hot day. It was in the plus 30s, and in Newfoundland, that's rare. Um, and in that kind of sweltering, on the power lines, it seemed a lot worse. You, you've you worked in the woods. You know what it's like. Oh, yeah. Very humid, and the flies were were not the greatest. but as the heat got really bad, even the flies didn't want to be out. Um, I was fairly okay, but these guys decided, hey, frigate, we're gonna drink from this pond. And they drank from the pond. And the next day they were literally, uh, it was coming from both ends and they were throwing up blood even. Uh, It was a miserable experience. And because of the type of work we were doing and the way the contract worked, these guys really didn't have the opportunity to call in sick. So they slugged through it for two days and it was (laughs) miserable. i could only i could only compare it to like prisoners of war type deal like it was really bad these guys suffered
0: i've uh, never seen it to that extent but i have been to like um with natural resources fighting fires we get out on camps and stuff like that people would be the same thing out in the fire line oh you know i'll just i'll sneak a drink out of this i'll be fine it, it will it's moving water is the one i love <laughs> it's moving water it's perfectly fine and then yeah, yeah coming out both ends but i'm Fortunately for that line of work, they were able to take sick leave and go get treated pretty much immediately. But as you said, it's, it's really not great. And that's just one of the, like one of a dozen things that can happen to you when you're kind of caught unprepared.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and this is the thing, what we're talking about is unprepared. So we're talking about somebody who went for a day hike and all of a sudden realized they couldn't come back or they took their canoe out for a, a paddle and you know the wind came up and it got pushed to the far side and maybe their canoe got damaged they couldn't get back in time or when they they realize you know they're on the wrong side of the lake and it's it's there's no easy way back to where they were too so they're trying to find a way out to some kind of civilization these things happen not not every day not to everyone by any means but these are things that can happen
0: but it's also surprising how easily they can happen unexpectedly okay. of course and i i just like to make uh, one little announcement is we have both jeremy and gary sitting in the comments they were the first two to comment up so if anybody doesn't know uh jeremy is lone wolf 902 he has a youtube channel we encourage you to check him out and gary is uh nova scotia yak fisher or ns yak fisher outdoors uh once again he is a channel be sure to check him out and both these guys have uh a ton of experience out in the woods and i'm sure Hopefully, if they're still with us, they'll maybe throw in some experience they might have had in similar situations because it's always fun to kind of look back and laugh. It's never good in the situation at the time, but to look back and laugh is always a lot of fun. Well, and in fact, me and both Gary and, and, and Jeremy,
1: we, we went on a camping trip. The first time we ever met, we went for a camping trip and we, we all decided we were going to canoe or kayak out into the Gaspar Lake in, in, down, uh, down the valley. And uh, as soon as we came out of the little sheltered har- har- harbor, we started in the waves picked up and the wind was pretty strong. And uh, me and Jeremy started taking on water in our boats. Uh, Gary was in a battleship and he was fine. But uh, <laughs> Jeremy's was the smallest of the, of the three boats and he was taking on water faster. And we ended up pinned to a shore. We were pinned to a spot that we did not plan on going. Now we were uh, well prepared. I mean. We're All kind of used to being out there, and we were able to, to set up, and uh, everything turned out great. We had a, a, an awesome night, uh, we had a comfortable place to sleep. As wet as Jeremy was when he got out of his boat, he, ha- he managed to dry all his gear off next to the fire and set up good. We had, uh, you know, but that's the difference of being prepared for eventualities and not being prepared. So, if you weren't prepared, you have a much harder task ahead of you uh, if you're in the woods and not prepared you may not have the ability to light fire you may not have the ability to purify your water you may not have the ability to build a proper shelter or a, a quick and easy shelter anyways
0: no I completely agree and just an example of being prepared and something going unexpected: the first camping trip you and I went with we were expecting much warmer weather then we actually okay. ended up staying in, and that was simply due to topography and location. We were the topography was we were down in a dip, and it was at the bottom of a waterfall. We did not account for how the, the mist off the water was going to cool everything. We were expecting like seven degree weather, and we're pretty convinced it got down to probably like two degrees or less. I know the second night was cold, man. <laughs> but, yeah. It can be that easy. Like, you can plan your trip. Everything goes right. Weather was exactly what it said. It was sunny. Yeah. But at night got way colder than we expected. And, I mean, we kind of got night, caught.
1: It dipped enough that I know both of us, in our respective hammocks, were shivering. Uh, and we both complained about it. Um, and that's all we really could do. We didn't have a lot of other options. We had the fire out right there. We did go sit at the fire for for quite a while into the night yeah we stayed up quite mm-hmm. late the second night <laughs> yeah, And as, as tired as you get you'd eventually decide how i that how i got to go in and we did try a few different ways of setting up our gear putting blankets and the inside versus outside and outside versus inside just switching it up but in the end we, no matter what we did our gear was still basically inadequate for the conditions we were in uh But still survivable like we weren't oh very
0: much so when we were still very much more prepared than we could have been you know what i mean like it wasn't the worst situation it was just an uncomfortable situation
1: yeah so while we were there though there was evidence of another bushcrafter having been there and they had set up a little tiny like debris type shelter in one corner and and that's essentially like if i was in that kind of situation without an ax and without rope and without uh, the other supplies that I would most ideally have, that is probably what I would end up leaning towards is, you know, gathering up enough broken branches that I can erect enough of a shelter to keep the wind and stuff off of me. And then just pile as much debris, moss, boughs, anything I can pile on top of it to, to build that kind of air gap barrier and crawl in under that because in the end if you're stuck out for a cold night um that may be your your uh, your only warmth is is what is keeping that air off of you and or the wind the breeze off of you and okay. this time of year with high temperatures there's a good chance you're out there in a t-shirt and shorts during the day and if you get stuck for the night and it drips down to three and four degrees in the evening that's a huge difference that's really going to make you cold
0: well how often uh just this year alone have we had like 20 25 degree differences between night and day uh in the spring it was like minus seven eight uh at night and i think it was like 18 20 degrees during the day in may There was a couple times there, and we, we actually talked about it a little bit before some of our shows then. Like, could you imagine going out and expecting the 18, 20 degrees during the day and not realize yep. it's going to get, like, minus 10 at night? That's a huge difference in, um, in temperatures, and that's very common for people to get caught in. And like you said, if you went out in just your normal little tent and a white sleeping bag, like I kind of goofed up on and took when we went... That really wouldn't keep you warm. And you would have to resort to doing something like that. And debris shelter is a great back pocket item to keep. And if anybody goes out in the woods, it's definitely something you should look up and at least get the theory behind building. I mean, Ben explained it to a T. It's called a debris shelter for a reason. You are taking debris, preferably dry debris, and you're building a nest, basically. Uh, The only thing I seen with his that I didn't really agree with was he literally picked the lowest spot in that valley to put it. So yeah. the cold tends to sink to the lowest spot. So if you have a, choi- uh, a choice or a chance, getting a little higher up is actually going to keep you a little bit warmer. So yeah. if there's like a, a woe in the land, try to get to the top of it. And that way, if, uh, or one of the top sides of it, that way, even if there's a little bit of moisture or rain, it's probably going to run away from you and not pool under you, which would be the other problem you had there. And even if it's a nice night, the cold air tends to, you know, flow to the bottom of valleys and gullies and stuff like that, which is right where he built that one. Uh, It looked like a great little shelter. And hopefully when he built it, cold wasn't an issue. But that was the only real issue i seen with that.
1: Uh, And in that particular location, say that there had been a rainstorm that night, he was in a serious risk of potentially flooding at that location because the river wouldn't have had to go up too many inches before that would have been wet
0: six inches maybe i mean we put our hammocks fairly high up just in the instance something happened we weren't expecting for like i don't know but i think we both talked about at the same time we went up a little higher than we normally would have or at least i did by a couple inches just just that safety net you know what i mean
1: yeah so yeah so there isn't i don't have a lot of good options for water if you don't have the proper equipment. You can try to dig what is it they call the gypsy hole?
0: Yeah, the one that's beside the water and hopefully the ground filters that out a little bit. Yeah. I mean it's better than nothing. Um
1: uh, and you can there are different if you can find a, a a hole in a rock and you manage to have a fire, you can put what get water into a hole and drop hot rocks in there to boil it out. Um that's a method. Um there are You'd have to pick and choose the, I guess the one semi fortunate thing about the state of the environment is there's not too often you end up in the woods that you won't find a bunch of garbage. So,
0: which is fortunate, and unfortunate all at the same time. It sucks. You go into the woods and there's tons of garbage. It's great for the person trying to survive.
1: So take advantage of what you can find. So with the second you do realize, I guess that you are out of your element and Things aren't going the way you hope, and you don't figure, you, I may not make it home tonight. Uh, that's a good thing to, to look for. Look for garbage. Uh, not only is it a sign that there's been people around and that, but it's also oftentimes full of stuff that's usable. Whether it's uh, appealing, I guess is the word. Uh, an old beer bottle may not seem like the most appealing thing to pick up, but you can you know, pick it up probably put a bit of sand and water in it shake it out pretty good. Get most of the debris and stuff out of it. And then you can put that next to a, a fire and you will boil water in it and you'll have to be very careful.
0: So you don't split uh, the
1: glass that you don't split the glass, but, um, aluminum cans, even, you know, a little bit easier.
0: They're great too, because though I have not been able to accomplish it myself and not from lack of trying, yeah. if the sun's hot enough, you can get a fire going. If you polish off the bottom end of one of those,
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've I've heard that. (laughs) I've seen
0: it done. I have not yet been able to do it myself. Now, something that, and this is kind of diving off topic a little but seeing it's here, is something that helped the person that i seen do it was I was trying to hold the pop can the entire time, and they built like a Y-stick and set it in there. That way it stays perfectly still. Okay. So, So that might be where I go wrong. I don't know. That was just how they did it they made a little y-stick they got everything lined up perfect buried it in and then just kind of left it that way nothing's moving
1: yeah um i mean one thing is too is if you're going into woods if you make a habit of of having a few essential items kept on your on your most immediate person so something that's stuck to your keychain that's never out of your possession those are things that can give you a good advantage and that could be as simple as a small blade that you keep on your keychain um or a small ferro rod um things like that can really give you a huge advantage in a in a spot where you don't have a lot of the uh,
0: a lot of other resources uh carabiners they're your best friend too if you're going out in a boat uh any of those nice little necessities like if i go out in a boat i don't only put a lighter knife at, some sort of fire device and a knife into my pocket. I generally try to clip them on a carabiner and clip that into a belt loop. That way, yeah. even if it falls out of your pocket, uh, or if you're going over rapids or something like that, you get knocked around a little bit, God, you know, heaven forbid, um, they're still attached to you. You know what I mean?
1: Well, we always say, uh, you lash it or lose it with a, with a boat. Um, anything that's not physically attached to yourself or the boat, um, there's a good chance you can lose that. Um, and I have. I have lost things that I, I had neglected to properly lash. In Keji, there is still. And I, I have to say, I'm extremely fortunate. This is all I lost. But I lost one of those plastic collapsible uh, water bottles. Mm. It was the only thing not uh, lashed to my kayak the day I sunk my kayak. And as such, it was the only thing I lost. But uh, even my, my uh, axe that was, you know, under the bungee cords in the back, like the wife managed to come by and she managed to, to pull that out and a couple other things to throw in hers and took off, and the water bottle was gone. I mean, and we picked it up at the dollar store. Dollar wise, I'm you know, I'm not hurting for the loss. Uh, I, I it bothered me much more that I'd left that, that garbage somewhere in Kedji and I can't account for it, but
0: um. Uh. Yeah. So we did talk a little bit about getting stuck in colder weather and we kind of hinted towards warmer weather. So let's talk a little bit about warmer weather because that's the one most people neglect. They think, oh, it's warm, I'll be fine. But as you said at the start of this, it's very easy to get too warm. So you run the risk of uh, sunstroke, or sorry, heat stroke, heat exhaustion, uh, hyperthermia, uh, dehydration, things like that. And it's real easy to happen, even just a severe sunburn. Can really oh, yeah. make your life miserable.
1: So essentially, almost no matter the the emergency, a decent shelter is your friend. Something that you can get into because, believe it or not, a good shelter will will basically keep you cool in the in the heat and keep you warm in the cold. It's going to give you a spot to regulate your temperature. It's going to keep the sun the, the blazing sun off you. It'll generally be a cooler spot in in the in the uh, the hot weather and a bit of a warmer spot is it'll retain the heat that you are producing in the cold weather so getting that thing that shelter that allows you to get out of the sun and 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 sort of cool down and relax Um, within caution you know know, using water is to cool yourself down it's a great idea but you do want to be somewhat careful with your clothing because if you get your clothing all wet and then it does cool down a lot now you're stuck with a bunch of wet clothing that's basically useless to you.
0: And just like we talked about, that 20 degrees to minus 10 degrees. You don't want yeah. to be stuck out in minus 10 with wet clothes. Yeah. So uh, a good thing for that is layering. And it's something that I was okay with before and I've really gotten big on now. Like these these little undershirts, I always wear one of them now because you can always take a shirt off yeah. and get cooler as long as you're out of the sun or put it back on. And I mean, the undershirt itself can double as 100 different things if you needed it to, I mean, it can be a basic water filter to filter, filter out big, uh, sediments or a bandana. Bandana is a perfectly good thing. Keeping your hand, uh, head covered too. But I mean, I, even in a pinch, it's toilet paper. I mean, laugh if you want, but it, it's better than using a rock. You know what I mean? So yeah. Oh, I, I thought I had to, I have... oh, no, I must've washed it. Um, but yeah, so dressing in layers is a big thing, not only for the cold, but for the heat. White-colored uh, clothing, long-sleeve will give you lots of sun protection. You will be potentially a little bit warmer, uh, especially if it's like a thick thermal layer or something like that. But I'm I really starting to get into the very thin, uh, long-sleeve shirts with a little bit of UV protection, even during the summer. That little bit of extra heat it's a good trade-off for me anyway for the extra sun protection like i'm a person you may not be able to see it on the video anybody that's watching but i am covered in freckles i'm very fair-skinned i burn walking by the microwave like you know what i mean a sunburn is just a part of my life so i've learned like literally learned how to cover up as much as i can uh to prevent sunburns because it's just uncomfortable i mean a minor sunburn for most people it's an inconvenience for me. A minor sunburn is like three, four days long. A bad sunburn, yeah. I may have it for weeks.
1: And if you are stuck out there with a bad sunburn, I mean, it's going to increase the dehydration issues. It's going to increase your your discomfort and your ability to properly think and plan and, and make your next steps because you're you're you are going to be miserable. Um, so yeah, you mentioned like. here's something just a little handkerchief Um, yeah something like that you can you could you can wet that put it on your neck put it on your forehead cool yourself down cover you know protect yourself a little bit from the sun something like that the layers are are essential there and and when you are really hot take those extra layers off and protect them because later on you're going to need them if they do get wet dry them as early as possible um and you know you're going to have you know Use the resources you have to the best of the ability and protect them, because that's all you potentially have until you get out of there. So everything you have, you need to sort of really plan how you're going to use it and how you're going to best use it to your advantage. Because the last thing you want to do is is destroy or, or eliminate the usefulness of, of a particular piece of material you have. So if that material happens to be your shirt and pants and you're really hot and you're saying, the only thing I want right now is to cool down and you jump in fully clothed into a river to cool yourself down, that might seem like an awesome idea at the time. 15 minutes later and you're still wet and you know the wind comes in and the clouds come by and it drops by five, six degrees, all of a sudden you might be shivering. And
0: no, nope, the only thing I was going to add to that was Sometimes and only sometimes, and this is just you know cannon fodder for few, uh, for thought process. There's four main spots in your body that's really easy to cool your entire body, and that's where the uh, blood vessels and stuff in your body come closest to the surface of the skin. So as Ben mentioned, around your neck. So if you get a handkerchief cold, uh, wet, and put it around your neck, that's going to effectively cool your body pretty good, keeping you relatively dry. Um, the inside of your arms. That's another good one, like literally this thin skin that you see like right from your wrist all the way up to your armpit. On the inside, generally that's a little thinner skin. The blood vessels collect there. That's where most of your natural arteries and veins run. If you can get that cool, that's going to cool you down. And the same thing with the inside of your legs, Uh, basically from your knees up to your groin area is going to be another spot that's generally thinner skin and a lot of blood vessels and stuff collect there. Uh, And the last place is kind of your feet. Though it's not as effective as the other three, but there's a lot of blood vessels, uh, a lot of, um, um, veins and art, I guess just veins, not so many arteries, but anyway, there's a lot of, uh, spots where the blood collects really close to the skin there. So you can potentially like put your feet in the water, keep the rest of you in the shade, uh, and it could cool you effectively instead of getting your entire body wet or taking that handkerchief and putting it around your neck. It may effectively cool you without getting you entirely soaked or maybe sit on the rock and put your legs in the water, keep your upper body out. Like there's don't necessarily just go right for the plunge right from get go because as Ben said, that could be a fatal mistake, unfortunately.
1: Well, and here's one that I, I I think a lot of people can, can uh, relate to. You get your, your footwear really wet and then you decide you have to walk any distance
0: oh (laughs) trench foot i know what you're going for
1: well you know that's a that's a worst case scenario trench foot is if your feet stay wet for days at a time you i mean your skin will start to fall off you lose your nails i mean it's a it's a it's a horrible thing uh not even getting to that um just in general you're going you're as you're Your feet get wet, the skin gets softer, it starts to chafe more. You'll have tears and abrasions, and it can reduce your ability to travel from many kilometers a day to lucky to move a kilometer a day. Uh, And in a survival situation, when you're looking at potentially having to travel 20 kilometers to get to safety, that means the difference of being able to do it in one day and maybe not being able to do it inside of a month.
0: Depending on where I'm walking, and I don't condone this for anyone else, this is my own potentially stupidity kicking in. I have preferred to walk barefoot than in wet footwear. I have to slow down 100%. I have to slow down. But I tend to end up with less injury than if I had to try to push faster and further. In wet footwear, it's just as you said, like my bad one is uh, the backs. Of my heels will chafe, and then they'll blister up to the point where I can no longer walk in them. Yeah. Or in between my toes will split. That's another bad one I get for whatever reason. Uh, yeah. Gary made a good point here, and I don't know if I'm going to say this right. Is it? I always call it a smog, but what what is the big bandana called, Ben? You probably actually know the real name for it.
1: I think you got it as close as I'm going to get it. Um...
0: Anyway, I have one right here. So you take a crack at the name and I'll grab mine.
1: Himagersh. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it's basically a giant bandana. Probably, what, about three feet by three feet?
0: Did you make an attempt? Did I miss it?
1: Shimog, shimog, shimog. I don't know.
0: But anyway, it's basically an oversized bandana. This happens to be mine.
1: You're about what, three
0: feet by three feet? Uh Yeah. Yeah, that's probably what this would be mine's got some furls on the end because it was a dollar store purchase but i mean it's it's big it's actually big enough that uh not only can you do the old bandana trick with it like you know what i mean like you can get a good size full head coverage out of that but you can also use it to make a little bit of shade really easily and get under it oh yeah
1: uh it has a million and one uses it's way better to, than a handkerchief or or a you know, because it's essentially six handkerchiefs or nine handkerchiefs is what it, it almost works out to.
0: I know I look like a little old woman, but I mean, that's quite a bit of sun protection right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: So. Uh, what what have we covered, really? I mean, your shelter is, is essential. Is key
0: regardless if it's hot or cold or wet, which we have yet to for, really talk about. For me
1: in a survival situation, a situation where I realize I'm lost, and I realize that there's probably someone coming looking for me, I'm not going to be traveling. We talked about this last week. Uh, the first priority for me will be to, to get some degree of shelter. That would be where I would concentrate my first amount of effort on. Into my, my second amount of effort would actually be to make myself as visible as possible. So marking nearby areas and key points so that people will potentially see me. Bright colors. Yeah, bright colors, flagging. Uh, If I had to, I'd bark, take some bark off a tree, put like a cross symbol or something in there. Anything that might gather someone's attention, especially near like shorelines and edges of fields uh, and sort of point towards where I'm set up. Um, So I wouldn't go far from my my point, but my my shelter area. But if you go out 100 feet on all sides, you've now all of a sudden made what they're looking for be the difference of basically looking for something that's three square feet on the ground that's, you know, now 1,000 square feet. By by marking off 100 feet all the way around, you, you've you close to identified 1,000 square feet that's yours. Uh, that's going to make it a lot easier, more, a lot more potential that someone's going to find you. And... Yeah, you can use little pieces of clothing if you had to sh- rip some strips off your shirt or whatever uh, and and mark, mark it. If you see garbage, hang it up in the trees. Anything that's going to sort of draw someone's attention that people have been there uh, and probably relatively recently. Um, then I would start thinking about it was a, the only after I've sort of set up my, my shelter and sort of made myself as visible as possible to... to to uh searchers then i might start looking at where how can i i start a fire and how can i start potentially purifying water if i need to
0: because we have covered in previous weeks like you said most people are found in the first 72 hours or 48 hours 48 to 72 hours and then we cover it all
1: a lot of my searches have ended before i got yeah Uh, i mean honestly uh I think the higher percentage of people are found very quickly. And then it goes on and on. And basically, if, if somebody isn't found within 72 hours, the likelihood of them being found at all goes down drastically uh, from there. Uh, and it could be sometimes it, it's it's literally years before they find what happened to the individual. And it, and it could be millions of things. And sometimes we never find it. And it's,
0: it's an unfortunate
1: thing. Um,
0: so Christopher Loveless, uh, he just wanted us to know what's pronounced, and I, did I say this right, Chris? Is it Shemog? Shimog. Shimog. Yeah. So, and then he said, of course, tomato, tomato, but yeah, yeah. it's the big bandana. Big bandana. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. As, um, as we
1: call it here at Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. <laughs> the big
0: bandana. The big boy. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so we did talk about heat. We talked about cold. The last one we can kind of quickly touch on because it leads to pretty much cold is wet. You get stuck in wet weather that you weren't expecting and kind of a lot of the same things apply to that. you got to get yourself a shelter. We already talked about that and try and dry yourself out as best you can. One, if you do happen to get wet, don't try and stay wet. Uh, that can lead to a lot of funky things down the road. Like believe it or not, you can build up mildews and, uh, even some molds and stuff like that, potentially on your body. If you don't get yourself dried out in a specific amount of time, like we are not an amphibious creature. We're not meant to stay wet for long periods of time. Uh, So the key is to try and not get wet. If you can stand it. And like Ben said, that that's generally your shelter. Uh, And if you do get wet, don't let it go too long. Take the time. If, if you're wet and you're traveling, it might be worth just to kind of stay put, get a fire going, get yourself dried off. You're going to feel better at the end of it. And the big thing is you got to maintain yourself in any of these situations. Trying to push through and go, oh, it's just a little further. I can just push through. It's only a little bit of misery. Only if you're right. If you're not right, then you are miserable. And now you put yourself in an exceedingly dangerous situation. Or an exponentially dangerous situation, I guess.
1: So let's picture a scenario here that... You've gone into the woods and you've gotten yourself lost. We can use the boat analogy. We can use a car. This one happens. You're out for a Sunday drive and you see a a woods road. So I wonder what's down that woods road. So you start driving down it and it goes to another woods road, and another woods road. And you do this for a little while. And the next thing you know, uh, you don't know how to get out. So you're driving around for a while thinking you're definitely on the right road this time. And then all of a sudden you realize that uh, fuel's getting kind of low, and then you hear hear the noise, and of course, you've lost the tire. Um, Things aren't going good for you. So now you get out, and you're like, okay, now what do I do? So you're not really sure where you're to. Your cell phone's no longer working. And this sounds a bit far fetched but this this has happened in the last couple of years. Uh, And now you are in the woods you do have a vehicle which potentially is a piece of shelter and it potentially can be uh, a source of, of heat or cool if you need it but you have a limited amount of fuel to to operate that and honestly uh, a vehicle without being able to run the air conditioning on a hot summer day can be a death trap uh we, we tell people all the time you know you leave your kids or dogs in there for was it half an hour in a sunny day, and you can literally start cooking them? So
0: I think I actually seen a video where somebody cooked like baked cookies on the dash once.
1: Wow! Um And it, and here's something to think about. And, and nobody really talks about this, but if you have a more modern car that has power windows, uh,
0: you're not getting those suckers down the battery goes.
1: If you the battery goes, if if you can't open and close the windows uh there are various things that can happen that'll kind of make that much less usable as as a as a as a, as a, a shelter as an option I mean, you can pop prop open the doors to a degree i guess but uh things to keep in mind uh, uh
0: i just wanted to throw one story out i was going to tell it way back at the start but we're getting towards the end of the show and anybody that's not going to stick around isn't going to stick around anyway. So I'm going to tell my story, but one first thing is Gary said to pack a small tarp. Uh, he carries a small one and always packs. An alternative to that if you don't want to if you don't have the tarp, can't get a tarp whatever, get just a good-sized garbage bag. You'd be surprised at how much you can cover with a good-sized garbage bag. One of those 52 by 36 ones. Uh, you can buy them in a box it might be 50 30 50 dollars for like 500 of them but i think i've seen them at the dollar store from time to time they call them drum liners or something like that and um, you'd be surprised the kind of shelter you can make with that just to keep dry like you can cut a couple holes in it you got a shelf poncho you can split it down the sides you got yourself a basic tent or a cover like a good garbage bag goes a long way and if you can get the orange ones and now you have a signaling like something that stands out in the woods a little bit even better
1: we used to give those out with our um, a tree program, mm. and it was—it's it, it, a big, and it was an, like a little extra thick plastic bag, so it, it was sturdy. Uh, I think now we give out the survival blankets; those act as awesome little tarps, although. And
0: they're 100% waterproof. Watersheds off them, and you can get them at the dollar store for four bucks.
1: Yeah. And what you can do is even with a, a debris shelter. Put that down and then put your debris on it. So, even if water gets through, it hits that waterproof surface it goes out, and your heat goes up, reflects down onto you. It, it increases the efficiency of that. On the flip side, put it on top and it'll radiate the sun back and keep it cooler inside. So,
0: just don't stare into it. You can't go blind. <laughs> yeah. I say it only half jokingly because. Uh... Story for another day, but we, we were playing around with these things and making stuff with them, and it was bright and sunny, and sure enough, we basically got a mild case of what you would call snow blindness without the snow, just from the yeah. the bright light reflecting back. So it, it's not nice, so just be aware of that.
1: Basically, unburned your head.
0: But, yeah. A little younger, a little stupider. More stupid. Anyway, I learned a lesson, an important lesson that I carry to this day. So was that your story or
1: did we interrupt? No,
0: no, sorry. That was uh, Gary's thing. How easy it is to get stuck on suspectingly. You've heard me mention it multiple times. With Natural Resources, we did these things called PGIs, pellet group inventories. Uh, Once a year, generally we do one in the Cape Breton Highlands for moose, moose PGIs. You go out in the woods, they drop you off, you walk a few kilometers in a straight line, count moose piles. It's a basic statistic to help, uh, I guess it's lands and forestry now calculate how many moose are in the area a rough id you know what i mean do they need volunteers for this job no you actually have to be working for them uh i've offered to go back and do this since i've transferred jobs and unfortunately it's a no-go especially seeing i knew the area but (laughs) anyway i got flown in dropped off uh did my thing uh i had to walk i think it was four kilometers out and then i was supposed to be picked up problem was fog rolled in couldn't get picked up that day they knew where i was i knew where i was yeah but i wasn't getting out that night they're just like yeah we can't come get you we can't safely get a helicopter in to pick you up now your options are it's i think it was 50 kilometers and this direction is you know potentially you'll hit some people or you can wait it out and we'll see when the fog dissipates so now of course i waited it out my fat buddy walking no 50 kilometers i can tell you that much. Uh, but I had prepared a little bit. Like we always, they always tell you expect to, Hey, Troy, how's it going? Um, they always tell you, you know, pack a little extra in case something happens. Yeah. And that's exactly what it did. I had a little bit extra food, some nuts, jerky, uh, things like that. And I just decided to wait it out, but it was, it was a full other day. And even then it was sketchy to see if, uh, they'd come in and get me. And I mean, now I'm in weather that was colder than I thought it was going to be and damper than I thought it was going to be. So, I mean, that, that's how easy it can happen. Even That was just working. You know, like mm-hmm. I wasn't even, I was planning to be back that night. And it just yep. didn't happen.
1: We, uh, we do the same thing with uh, search and rescue. When we go on a tasking, we are expected, especially if we know the tasking's any distance away from base, we're told to take a 24-hour pack. Um, and a lot of us are prepared for, for a little bit more than that, a 24 to 48-hour pack. Uh, And it's because that's a a reality and you don't really always know, especially like if I was going to be sent anywhere in a helicopter or a boat or any sort of, if I'm being transported to my, my search area, I have to assume that that transport may not be available to get me back. And I could be stuck there for a period of time. So um, those are good points, but there's, there are a million ways you can end up lost and everyone thinks, Oh, it won't happen to me. I know what I'm doing, but very
0: experienced guys have been in situations that they thought never would happen to them and i think it's the experience that leads you to believe that it can happen to anyone
1: yeah Um, yeah you end up in those situations you you do need to be able to relatively quickly make a plan and implement it and a big part of that plan really should be to consider staying still until someone comes to get you Uh, and at some point though, you will have to make that decision that someone maybe isn't coming to get you. Uh, if you're there for a couple of days and you've seen no sign of help, no helicopters, no planes, no vehicles driving up and down the roads, then maybe nobody did notice you gone, or maybe they think you're somewhere totally different.
0: Maybe refer to a couple shows ago when we said pre-planning for these trips. (laughs)
1: Maybe your wife doesn't love you as much as you thought you should.
0: <laughs> no, I never heard of him. Said he was going for beer. I don't know.
1: <laughs> he left for cigarettes three days ago. He didn't come back. I wasn't too upset. He
0: doesn't <laughs> smoke. I thought it was weird. <laughs> but no, all joking aside, it's real easy to happen. and It can happen to the best of people uh, for reasons completely out of your hands. Yeah. And as Ben said, number one thing is chances are somebody's coming for you. So try to make yourself noticeable uh, and try to keep yourself as comfortable as possible while you're in that situation. And I mean, that's, that's kind of what we've been saying the last few episodes in this lost in the woods series, I guess, but the big thing is make sure somebody knows where you're going. Once you realize that you're not really where you thought you should be, or that you're potentially lost, don't push yourself to exhaustion. Take the time to actually evaluate the situation and figure out how you're going to make it better for yourself and then stay put and get yourself noticeable some signaling devices out and that's generally what's going to help you the best safe to say that Ben coming from search and rescue
1: yeah that's that would be my advice uh, regardless really of my uh, of my search and rescue background uh, that seems to me to be the most logical choice and I can see quite quickly how especially the more experienced you are the more quick you might be I can I can make that 50 kilometer hike, um, or I can do this, or I can do that. But uh, from my own personal experience, about 20 kilometers a day in the woods-
0: That's a good huff.
1: A pretty aggressive day. Um, If you're running any amount of gear, it's probably all you're gonna do. If you're running really light, you could possibly do that and a bit more, but-
0: And that's not uh, on yourself. I mean, my stride is less than yours, Ben. Uh, for me 15 to 20 kilometers is about my limit even if i'm running light at that point i'm getting tired and i'm going to start making mistakes
1: um and if you're running light it's going to take you a lot longer to build that shelter to 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 settle up so if you are trying to travel if you you have the weight possibly you have a hammock and a tarp and you can set that up in 10-15 minutes if you don't um, you've, you've made de- debris shelters, you've made lean twos and stuff. This stuff doesn't happen in 10, 15 minutes.
0: No, uh, it takes a surprisingly long time to make a debris shelter. Something as simple as a debris shelter, especially if you've got no debris.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. It's real good. If you have all the, you know, <laughs> if you have the, the luck out and have a rake and a saw to cut the pieces of wood and I, some rope to tie, tie it up so it stays secure you can move it a little bit quicker. If you're out right there with none of that stuff, it's going to take you a while. Yeah.
0: I've heard it numerous times. Oh, if anything happens, I'll just rake up a bunch of leaves and sleep in those, which is good and dandy if it's the fall and you're in a hardwood stand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what happens if it's the middle of summer and you just hit the biggest softwood thicket you ever seen? You're going to be raking a long time, getting enough needles.
1: Well then, you can at least break a few boughs off. But what happens if it's the middle of the summer and you're in a hardwood forest?
0: Yeah. Like there there's things just to think about. Everything yeah. takes time and it takes energy. And that's the yeah. big thing to remember is basically the whole key to survival is calculating out how to get the most out of the least amount of energy spent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, making making every move you you make count and making sure that it's giving you the best chance of of being found and surviving and a lot of that has to do with is it really worth walking 20 kilometers when you're not sure it's getting you you out where you could stay still and build a shelter for a lot less energy and quite likely someone will come help you shortly um the general trade-off is you know stay and make yourself comfortable uh if you have the, the gear and equipment you can very well make yourself comfortable for for many a day um uh, quite easily
0: uh, the trade-off you is that, you have to carry all that weight so well, you know what i mean that that's the fine balance there that every bushcrafter fights with what's too much gear what's not enough gear
1: yeah but but uh, i mean i think and I'm not a, a full proponent of it, but, you know, as i say the more you know, the less you carry this, this statement people have made over the years. Uh, that's not necessarily 100% true, I don't think.
0: But The, the more chances you, you have with less.
1: <laughs> yeah. I guess the more you know, the less you have to carry. Not necessarily the less you will carry. Because honestly, a lot of us like those luxuries. A lot of us like the toys. We like to play with them. And so even though we can very well do without the three types of, of cutting tools we took. Uh, it's really enjoyable to have your Aguila Cannon, boreal Twenty One saw, or your uh, forest axe and your favorite Mora knife, or whatever it happens to be. Those tools all can do similar jobs, but if you have all three, you can do more stuff. More stuff. Better. Better. You know, you can do more and you can do it better. You know, it's hard to do a fine carving with an axe. It's really hard to do a straight cut through a log with an axe. Can I split a log with a saw? Not, not as easily. Um, but I can with, with an axe. Like each of those tools do similar things, but each one does different things really well. So I do tend to take it all. Do I need all of it? No. No. Um,
0: Well, I told you before, a light pack for me is about 50 pounds. (laughs) We were talking ultra light. And I mean, that's, that's pretty ultra light for old Roberto there. He carries a lot of luxuries. Yeah. But
1: Uh, I love my little uh, folding chair I got now.
0: Oh man. I've been trying to find one of those that'll hold my weight. I found one and I let it go. And I've just been devastated ever since. If I could, I would take my lazy boy. Like, that's the kind of mentality I have. I love to be comfortable in the woods. I love being in the woods. Don't misunderstand. But I love being comfortable in the woods.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's the nice thing with the hammock is mm. it's kind of like a lazy boy when it's set up. Yeah, uh, yeah I've I, been
0: really enjoying my one out here. I'm not going to lie.
1: Yeah. I was at the cabin last weekend. Nice. We had a beautiful day there Saturday. It rained a little bit on Sunday, but uh beautiful day on Saturday. And I set up the hammock and I said, I'm going to go up there now and I'm going to lay down there and get the phone out. I'll, I'll watch a video or, or read a book or something. And no sooner did I get a set up to one of the kids like, set me on my hammock. So that was, like, I'm another hammock. And then the third, the, the second kid came by. Can I set up one for that? And I don't think I got to lay in a hammock at all.
0: I got mine up and Lily came in and jumped in with me. And you know yeah. what? For a four-year-old kid that only weighs maybe 40 pounds, it's like fighting with a bear in a hammock. <laughs> But anyway, we kind of digressed off that. So, I, th- I think that kind of wraps up tonight's topic. Uh, I yeah. hope we were entertaining. At least a little bit. Um, if Gary and all those are still sitting on here with us, I think Gary still talked. Troy was there, Christopher Loveless, and of course uh, Jeremy. Um, thanks for joining us. Thanks for your input. All that good stuff, as always. Anybody listening to us, be sure to check out the rest of our stuff. Uh, we're on pretty much every podcasting media at this point i don't know how we've managed to get on all of them but we've got on ones i never even heard of people are submitting us to it and it's just happening automatically so that's awesome we're pretty much everywhere you can think of but the three main ones that we do submit ourselves to is itunes spotify and google music of course or google podcast wherever you want to call it uh you can also find us on where are we on facebook twitter and instagram And of course, we have our own website at atlanticbushcraft.ca, or you can email us at podcast at atlanticbushcraft.ca. And we always love to hear you guys' stories, if you've got any kind of input on the topics we talk about, if you have a suggestion for a topic for us to talk about, or if you just want to say hi. I mean, we're always up for any of that stuff. We try to answer everything that comes in. Um... If we haven't answered you, that's probably because we didn't see it. And I've said that before, and I apologize. Try something else. We are not avoiding you, that's for sure. And I guess the last thing I was going to tag on to this, which I was supposed to do last week and I forgot, was our giveaway winner uh, has actually started using, has received their giveaway and has started using some of their stuff. Did you see that in our uh, Facebook page? I did see some stuff last week, was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, so anyway, that's, I, exactly. hmm? I, I said, so anyway, uh, the point was he did get it. Uh, they are using it, and, uh, I mean, that's that's great for us, too. I mean, we're super stoked they got their items. We're super stoked they like their items. Uh, and we learned a little bit about shipping some stuff internationally. You know what I mean? Like, we had some questions about the wood products and the blade length going into the particular country this went into. And we got it all figured out. So it was a learning adventure for us, and hopefully... Before too much longer, we'll have some sort of other giveaway for all you guys that are still sticking with us this long. Because, I mean, 68 episodes, man, that's thats getting epic at this point, in my eyes.
1: I think we need to figure out how we can ship me and you to one of these countries.
0: They don't make a box big enough for me. I, I know they don't.
1: <laughs> Shipping containers?
0: Shipping container? Wrap me in saran wrap? And th- I mean, if you can mail a potato by putting a stamp on it. Surely you can mail me by putting how many ever stamps you need on it, I guess. It's going to be cheaper than flying coach.
1: I'll tell you what, we, we could throw this out. Anyone who wants us to visit their country, just send us a couple of tickets, we will come and camp with you for a week.
0: For sure. <laughs> Heck, I'll even bring you enough gear that we can both camp. <laughs> I'll take it back with me, don't get me wrong, but if you're buying the ticket, man, I'll provide everything. I sh- I must have enough stuff here I can get at least two people out in the woods. I would help definitely can supply a couple other people with spare gear no problem uh, Between us
1: we'll figure it out
0: i'm sure for i guarantee it let's go with that i guarantee we will have enough to take you out in the woods i don't if i have to go buy it i can still guarantee you it's going to be cheaper than buying a plane ticket <laughs> <laughs> but anyway have a good night everybody <laughs> thanks again we're begging for free stuff <laughs> i mean it, shameless bagging shameless <laughs> Night all. Night all.